This episode of Everything Hurts is brought to you by Site.ai, a service that's helping researchers better discover and evaluate scientific articles through smart citations, which display the context of the citation and describe whether the article provides supporting or contrasting evidence. Everything Hurts listeners get 30% off for a year by using the promo code EVERYTHINGHURTS. Check out the show notes for details. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. I'm here with James Heathers from Cypher Skin, and uh, we are doing a live recording of our episode via Twitter Spaces. Now, it's always fun to try new things, isn't it, James? Yes, it's darling. <laughs> like, m- like many of your other previous wonderful ideas, and usually involves me looking like a tit because we didn't manage to get all this set up beforehand. It's almost as if we have jobs or something. Daniel, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, now, look, we're going to be talking about um, red flags in academia. You've probably have seen the meme which has been floating around where, where people are talking about these red flags using the red flag emoji and there were some really good ones and I thought what a great opportunity to talk about this on the show and um, hopefully we can do some Q&A at the end of the episode and um, people can actually join in and um, have a chat, tell us what you think, um, ask your questions um, but of course keep in mind that um, your voice will be recorded and will probably be, be in the final episode so if you don't want to do that that's fine, you can send a tweet um, but um, otherwise we'll, I'll be keeping an eye on the tweets as well. Um, but um, yes, otherwise um, we will be um, uh, doing this and doing a big Q and A at the end. So yes, the, the first thing I wanted to cover, James, is red flags in research fields. When you're thinking about different research fields and how different research fields operate, what are some red flags for you in that respect? Oh, okay. So we're only doing an hour, are we? Holy <laughs> shit! Okay. Well, let's let's start from the top if we're going to do we're going to do some silliness like that. Um like most people, I have a long list of things that I do and don't trust, right? And that is largely built out of episodes of uh <laughs> fundamental dishonesty that are stuck between them, right? Uh <laughs> so I'll, gi- I'll give you I'll give you some that come immediately to mind. Um, the first one that I am really uncomfortable with is when you end up with powerful, mutually non-overlapping narratives about how something's supposed to work. Do you know what I mean by that? Okay, go into a bit more depth there. All right. So, for instance, if you if you have if you have two theories and the theories are competing and there is a theoretical space between them, but you end up with uh, different different cohorts of people who don't talk to each other, whose work literally does not influence the other person when it's balkanized like that, I have an enormous amount of distrust for that. Um, probably because there's certain areas of medical science in particular that have been in and around the sort of general thugosity for the last couple of years where I can't really do any damage on them, but I'm infinitely suspicious that they are the way they are. Um, so, uh, some, some of the research around lower back pain comes to mind. Okay. 
um, what 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 should what should be done according to the orthopedist of this tradition, or what should be done according to the uh, according to the physical therapists of that tradition? Um, and they will claim that everyone else's research is terrible and theirs makes sense. And sometimes it's a matter of never the twain shall meet. I do I do not trust research areas where there's no sufficient intercommunication like that. Um, Especially because I mean, I found a few people who it grates my teeth that I, I can't I can't stomp their stuff, um, and I I'm a hundred percent certain that there's something horribly wrong with what they're doing, and there's nothing I can do about it because everything everything they cite is from within their own domain. Everything that they think about is stuff that they themselves did previously. And, you know, sometimes there's sort of breakout papers. Oh, I tested the magic thing and it turns out the magic thing didn't work. But, you know, in general, they just ignore those and get on with their lives. Yeah. It's similar to Gelman's concept of Goldilocks science, you know. Uh, just, just, uh, just interesting enough to get published, just not affecting daily life enough that uh, it, it doesn't get stomped into powder the moment it comes into contact with reality. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, you do one. Yeah. So one thing I was thinking when I was thinking about this is there was a tweet that uh, Samin, <laughs> a tweet that Samin Vizier, former guest of the show, did. This this was like uh, almost two years ago, and it, it immediately came to mind. I'm going to share it within the um within the um the the, the spaces. Um, Can you do that, fancy man? Do you yeah, even know all, how? Bit, and and, I'm, and I'm, going to, I'm going to read it out. So essentially, uh, I think I think it's a two or three tweet thread from Samin, and it was asking like, what, when it comes to trusting research fields, um, if you want to know how much to trust the research field, I'm going to read this verbatim. Do the top journals publish and publicize null results, direct publications, critical comments, and corrections? Do top journals offer registered reports and require transparencies? Um, are uh, other people doing the repli- replicating and correcting marginalized and ridiculed or funded and appreciated and um look <laughs> this also came to mind because of this um this this uh, this other tweet which blew up a few days ago which was from the, was the policy the written policy of a journal and um i'm just going to get this up on the screen and this is from the um mother like- of god i complain continuously that you pay too much attention to twitter and now you have a historical twitter review and you're rolling in other things it you would really do take this like big conversation between decent people things seriously i should sick some of the anti-vax weirdos on you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm gonna share this other thing and um this is a tweet, and uh, it's from um, um, L. Micah Helmus, and uh, it was the action editor of, of Psychology, Crime, and Law has informed me that it's the journal's policy for manuscripts not to report non-significant findings. Have they never heard of the replication crisis? Now, <laughs> this was, um, yeah, this 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 was very interesting, and it uh, I think there has been a lot of conversation around this, this research area and, and other stuff that has come up similar to this about problems with with replication but this is really interesting because if, if this I'm, i have no idea about the field but if this is one of the top journals in the field and this is a journal which is saying hey it's our policy not to actually publish <laughs> non-significant results that is a massive red flag on this though i do appreciate the honesty because a lot of journals this is their secret policy in that you quite often, you never see, I mean, I, I was having a conversation with someone um, uh, a couple of days ago, and I remember when I was an undergrad psych, um, there was no such, I, I didn't even think that null results existed because I don't remember learning about them. It was never discussed in in our curriculum when I was doing undergrad psych. 
So to actually find out there are no results when I was kind of more in my graduate studies was kind of surprising. So it's interesting that some fields just don't don't have this sort of stuff. And that 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 in itself is a massive red flag for a field if you don't actually see these um these these null results. Mm, okay. You're not Look, I don't really like the, I, no, 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 I don't, I don't really like the framing here. I would say that this is, uh, look, whatever's written down here is more normative than you or I would expect and most of the people listening to this would expect. And it's essentially, I mean, it, yeah, it's, you're, you're right that it's clear here, but it's essentially what it amounts to when you, when you look at research that comes into your place of publication and you say, it isn't interesting because it isn't propositional. It's not, I don't publish null results. It's simply framed in terms of, well, this doesn't, this doesn't present any knowledge. Um, and obviously, that's a very stupid idea of knowledge, um, considering that, you know, you're aggregating scientific information over time and something doesn't work is often hugely useful. Uh, I'm amazed that you never managed to discover a result that didn't work. Did you not take any cognitive for neuroscientific or do you take any vision so those people argue like cats yeah but it, it was all like sort of first year vision stuff where it's like oh look huber and weasel nobel, nobel prize this, this stuff's great like that oh, kind of stuff right from yeah okay from 1860 or some <laughs> shit yeah great the cats and the visual gradings yeah all that, all that kind of stuff oh. Maybe there was, but I, all I remember, it, it, it was really strange because it kind of seemed like the whole point of the course was to go, hey, hey, um, psychology is cool. You, sh- you should all continue studying psychology because it's really cool. And look oh, at yeah, of, co- of course, of course, of course it is. The, the, the vast majority of first-year courses that don't immediately get into things that you need to know are largely advertising for all the others. Um, that's absolutely the case. Um, do other fields I've, do I've, that? Like, is this a thing in, in other in other? No, not 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 really. Did you ever take any engineering subjects? No, I only did. Um, I did some philosophy and music. <laughs> Would you believe I did? I some- had, you are such a hippie. Look, believe me, engineering one double oh one is not. Hey, did you know engineers are cool and we build stuff? It's introduction to signal theory, and they hit you right between the eyes with uh, things that you never managed to find out in high school, and then it goes very fast from there because I have a lot of shit to pack into three or four years. So, no, a lot of courses do not work like that. In fact, a lot of courses in the humanities don't work like that. They start off with um, some subject that is reasonably self-contained because uh, there's someone there who's capable of teaching it, you know? And they're, they're, they're quite topical a lot of the time, which uh, in no way means they're like an introduction. It might amount to everything is cool. They have a tendency to, uh, you know, stick the, stick the fancy professors in leather jackets up front, um, you know, and then they get good ratings. The university looks good. Everyone's IQ slips a few points, and then sooner or later we'll all be living in a puddle. Oh, I sense I'm taking that too far. I really wish I'd taken more of those courses. Look, look, you've anyway. Look, you've. I, you, I'm. I'm getting annoyed with you now. Um, not just because of your face, but because this this topic was not supposed to be about collective fields. It was about the kind of heuristic human level 
experience of a laboratory or a supervisor or a co-worker or yeah, we'll some shit there. like we'll that. Well, we, we, okay, we'll get there quicker. Let's, let's do it then. We'll, let's move to that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was, that was, that was the plan. Well, fuck your plan. Who cares about your damn plan? You didn't tell me Except, the plan. So, you know. know. All right. Okay. So, I have- um, in in my my uh, my my little writings that I've been scratching away at for a while, I've thought about this and I have not put them on Twitter, um, so you can't reference it in the fucking what's this window. So there there are a few things here that are specific to joining a lab for the first time, or like in, encountering people. And I suppose it can go a little bit broader than that if you're thinking about I'm going to pick up a, a collaborate, I'm going to work with this person. How does it go? And the first question that I really like is something you don't even need to ask. You can just look this shit up. And it's basically, who have you graduated? What's already happened? Who's actually managed to make it through? You know, I would go so far. If you made me join a lab now, I would go so far as to fucking go through web.archive.org and look at all the versions of the lab webpage over time and find out just how many people started, fell off, graduated, and then what they did afterwards. Because it's got to be, it's very difficult to, if you've got, if you've got 10 years worth of uh, stacked up graduate students, it's very difficult to go, well, it looks like that all ended badly. I'm sure it was them. You know, it's like if all your ex-boyfriends are crazy, maybe it's you. No, that's girlfriends. If all your ex-girlfriends are crazy, maybe it's you. Uh, it's something American men say to each other and think is funny. Um, it, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not apologizing for them, sir. It more more sort of okay. Well, I mean that that is the most important. That is the most central track record of all of, of, of turning these people over. What happens to them? What do you set them up for? What environment do they expect when they leave? How does that work? You know, or what is the horrible raw human cost of keeping your filthy and ridiculous company over time, which is sort of the other element of it. So, you know, this is uh, and, and this I suppose this heuristic is informed by Daniel, all the people I've met who I thought were very good scientists and also very decent people. And a lot of them can't fucking stop talking about, oh, she came in, she did this, she was great, she now works there. We still, like, the people People seem to be in a, a perpetual state of kind of ongoing interaction with the people that they, uh, with the people that they graduate, what they work with. So, you know, you walk in, basically you're a colleague straight away, and then there's someone out there with your best interests at heart. And I don't know, this is an environment a lot of people can't really imagine. There's a lot of people who work in academia are literal toilets. I don't mean literally, figuratively. I mean they're actually a toilet. I don't know how we afford the porcelain. Um, okay, now I'm off topic. Um, so that's very definitely my first one because it's the easiest one to do. I'll give you my second one. Um, this this is something this is something that was suggested to me in an interview where someone said this, and my instant response on a human level was, "Oh, I can trust you." That's a thing that trustworthy people say, and it it turned it turned out to be true. Well, yeah, but I mean this 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 contains a multitude of of flags. So I went for uh, an, uh, the the interview, right? And you talk to all the people, um, and it was suggested about an hour. And you know, I talked to senior person A, senior person B, talked to the PI, and then 
they left and said, I think you should have the opportunity to talk to the other people who are in this laboratory without us being here. That's nice. As in, you're allowed to talk to the junior people in private. That's a flex. That's a flex. A good flex. Yeah. Yeah, and then they went to lunch. I mean, that's that's a pretty baller move. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get no lunch. I had to talk about research. That was bullshit. Um, <laughs> but it's basically you're saying I I I trust this scenario. Uh, the, you know, the people people will say what they feel, and I'm confident with put how I've put myself into the the dynamic that they have. That's that's pretty cool. So. I got a I got a backup story for this one. I told someone this because this happened fucking years ago, right? I told someone this, um, like after, long after I was a postdoc and someone was applying somewhere else, um, totally unrelated, a random university in the U.S. Uh, in I think it would some some flavor of biology. They have so many flavors. They're like Ben and Jerry's. So I told someone, hey, this happened to me, and I thought that was a really cool green flag. Now, if you want a red flag. Uh, the woman that I was talking to said, hey, I took your advice and I asked that question in my interview. Uh, like like the, the kind of obverse, can I talk to the junior people in this department um, without you being here? I'd like to get an idea of like what it's like at the ground level and, and, and shit like that. And the person they were talking to was not happy Ooh. at all. Wow. Yeah, that is um, that is a gigantic red flag. Um, but it was it wasn't. I, I think they actually let her, but I think the the, the fact that she asked that question Just was regarded as it was it was regarded as the worst kind of fucking rudeness. It's like, hey, can I find out what it's like to work here before working here? It's like, why, in the you? name of God, woman, would you ask that? How how dare you? How how could you think that of me? <laughs> this episode of Everything Hurts is brought to you by Sight. Now it's been almost a year since we last heard from Sight, so we checked in with Sean Rife, the Chief Research Officer, about what's new. Yeah, so Sight is introducing the next generation of citations to help anyone better understand and discover scientific literature. Now, recently, we've been excited to introduce a new feature that we call Citation Statement Search. Now, this is a feature that allows you to search over 900 million citation statements. Uh, that is, what a person wrote when they were citing another paper. Uh, and these will have been extracted and analyzed from over 26 million full-text scientific articles. Now, this feature allows users to look at virtually any topic they're interested in and see what the scientific literature has to say about it. I've already found citation statement search to be incredibly helpful in my own research. Uh, I find papers that I never would have known about, uh, and I get answers to questions in seconds or minutes rather than, you know, what could be hours or even a full workday trying to dig into something. But of course, it's not just my area of research that uh, can benefit from it. We have people using it from cell biology, medicine, uh, basically any life science, as well as the physical sciences, sociology, economics. Basically, if you have an empirical question, a question about what the scientific literature says about a topic, Citation Statement Search can help you out. Thank you to Cite for supporting this episode. Everything Hurts listeners get 30% off for a year by using the promo code Everything Hurts. Just follow the link in the show notes. 
we're going to get stuck into some uh, to some Q&A. So um, if you have something to contribute, want to ask a question or just want to say something, um, put your hand up. Use the, use the emoji function within spaces. Put your hand up. and um, Mother of God, it has hands. Yeah. And, and, and we, can, Where uh, we, are we the, can get your question. But one thing- Where is the hand? One thing that I have seen people suggest is that, um, look, reference letters is not really a thing in Norway. It's not really a thing in Australia, but it seems to be a massive thing in the US, and um, it's it's a, it's a huge time suck. People need to write these letters, um, re- request from their from their old PIs, um, all this information. But I've heard people suggest that we should actually have reverse reference letters. In that, when a PI is going for a promotion or, or or going for tenure or whatever, in that they have to actually they have to get letters anonymous. They have to get letters uh, from from their former students. To actually see what they're what they're really like, so that that could be a, a very interesting way of of, um, of flipping things around to actually find out. Mm. So it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, I can. Yeah, th- let's let's go with some other policies that we could implement. Um, all people should drive safely at all times. Um, uh, the the naughty should be uh, admonished and told not to be naughty anymore. Um, are you picking up the sarcasm yet? Normally, you interrupt <laughs> at this point. Good good luck convincing anything that where faculty have any control whatsoever um, of of being able to commit to something like that and the the, the fucking neurotic hyper competitive people that they've got here. Like, oh, did she just she just didn't understand. I had to make her sleep under the lab bench and keep her in a burlap sack, and we never would have got anything done. I can't have her judging me. Yeah, good luck implementing that one, pal. Where are these hands? Yeah. Yes. So, if you, if you want to have something to share, you got a question. Um, raise raise your hand. Use the. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even find where the fucking hand is. There we go. We we have we have one. Um, Andrew. So I'm gonna. No, we don't. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah. Here we go. I've I've invited. Right. You. Oh, I've got another 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 request. So. Uh, okay, Techno. Here we go. Come on. This is uh, we're going by the seat of our pants here. Um, and we got a second one as well. So here we go, Andrew. Oh God, no! I I was just using a, a laugh emoji at, at the idea that a faculty member would give up uh, a, a modicum of power. <laughs> <laughs> but here you are. <laughs> oh, oh my God! I see. Yeah, you said this. You said the same thing as me, but neater and funnier. Um, maybe maybe you should do this. Oh, let me click something. God, no! But but no, I I'd say that. Um, you know, at the risk of undermining the, the whole conversation, um, I, I'd say that I'm not sure that there really are that many hard and fast rules and, and really just kind of keeping keeping your ears ears open when you're in any of these situations where there's there's power relationships is, is, is probably the, the best thing I could think of. Yeah, fuck it, I... It's it, it is it is going to be hard. I mean, this is my. I'm sure everyone else has this tendency as well. When you've seen the the, the people who who propose rules that should always look like the first thing that you can come up with is a fucking counterexample. Um, so yeah, we've got another request. Um, yeah. So as well as doing emojis, you can also within within the UI, there's a way to send a request to speak. So if you want to speak, you can do that. And that's what we've gotten from Romana underscore. So please share. Yeah, thanks, Don. Hi, James. Hey, Jim. Yeah, um, 
I think there's like way too many red flags at every phase and stage of academia. So it might help to <laughs> focus on like, you know, different aspects that are important for different target audiences. But as uh, Don was talking about reference letters, I was thinking um, I had an interesting conversation with a search committee recently where they are aware of these issues associated with the reference letters that, you know, it's a giant waste of time for many reasons and they're not effective and whatnot. All I was trying to request with them was, how about you shortlist the people and ask only those to give you the reference letter because that would actually dramatically reduce the pain for everybody. And then the type of justifications they were giving, despite being a champion of DEI, open science and whatnot, were astonishing. You know, basically their reasoning boils down to, we want to be the, what you call, we want to be able to make the best decision as early as possible to get the best candidate. That's what matters. So we're going to make 300 people suffer and then for the chance, for the tiny chance that we'll get a better candidate. That's that's what is going on. I think, so basically what I'm trying to say is that if there is a university or a search committee who is doing such a massive request for five reference letters from 300 people, I think that's a red flag for the department in my opinion, especially when they talk about we are a DEI champion or open science champion, but are actually not implementing what they're talking, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, mm. it's a huge issue. I'm a big fan of sort of two-stage submissions, either it, 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 whether it's for a job or for a grant where you send the first stage and it's it's very low threshold, you know? And if, if you reach broad eligibility and you're at least with an outside short, shot then you 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 send in this additional additional information so it's just it's it's wasting everyone's time so yeah it's it's ridiculous now i've had a lot of fun with those grants um you know well they, they ask you for two or three whole pages or something like that you can you can brush it up in a week and then they invariably get back to you and say eat paint dr heathers yeah anything anything that you can do to triage shit like that is generally a good idea yeah, I mean, another related aspect is that people don't appreciate that a lot of people who actually need help in terms of DEI have trouble sourcing good ref- reference letters, you know? Mm. So that yeah. is not appreciated very much, actually, because they're artificially putting up barriers in this manner for people who actually need to be supported in the search for a position which is supposed to uh, promote and improve DEI, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, look, abs- absolutely. I mean, this is I've I've had to write these um, after teaching in the US and having people who've been sort of like knocking around in your general. But even with a class of seventeen people, you 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 don't have a, a really strong semblance of what the hell someone's going to do. You don't really know, and. There is a certain kind of like confidence and general social acceptability that very much goes into the space of, hey, do you want to write a letter about how great I am, even though you don't know me? Um, It is just a harder barrier to cross for a lot of people who are, you know, they look, if they're socially isolated for whatever reason in the context that they're in, I don't think they're going to come up to me, especially not considering how I teach which is, you know, sounding a lot like this a lot of the time with a lot less rude words and a lot more pedagogy. But 
I mean, that's that's going to be hard. So the the last class I had to teach after I did a couple, and I realized like this is like this is bordering. I mean, I tried to get to know them. You know, when someone says write a reference letter with me, they would expect them to immediately have a twenty minute conversation. But you know. Let's try because I'm sure a lot of people are just spooling these motherfuckers out. You know, ah, Alan Malone is the best little student in the whole world who does all the great things. No, man, come on. Um, and you know, I've I've seen I've seen I've seen people template these off previously in Australia, like they have a reference letter and they fill it out like it's a fucking docusign, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, everyone is the Lake Wobegon. Uh, you know, you know the Garrison Keeler thing, Dan. Sure, now, who sure am I kidding? You don't, you, you don't, you don't know stuff. You know where all the children are good-looking and above average. Like we on, yeah. Other people might not know it. Yes, well, so, terribly sorry. After five years of this, I've somehow gotten used to talking to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that, so that forgive up- me, forgive me if I'm a little rusty at acting normal. That- what? That that brings up a good point about these, these these unwritten rules in academia because I was thinking like if I ever was to apply for a position in the states, which 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 I'm not going to, I I would do a horrible job because there are so many of these unwritten conventions when it comes to writing these letters. I wouldn't have no idea how to write these letters, um, or to do any of these other sort of things that typically happen with, with, with an application. Um, but but what about for the people that genuinely want to actually get a position in the States or in other countries or in different disciplines? And there are so many of these barriers in place which just stop mm. people who, who who are out of the loop. And, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a bit unfair. I'm, I'm not even in the – every now and again, just for a laugh, Dan, just, just for a laugh, I'm not going to do this, but just as a kind of uh, – you, you, you know, in the way that you might look at an old holiday photo, um, you know, that time you went, there was a lot of mosquitoes and it was raining. Um, I, I look at I look at faculty job ads and sometimes the amount of different things, the amount of different subcomponents of the application, I honestly, there, there will usually be one or two where I look at it and think, I haven't the slightest idea what I would write for that that honestly represents what I think about it. I really don't know what to say to that. You you have to like Google it and then ask people and then try and synthesize what the kind of expected format is. Now, I guarantee you the, the difference between that and how we do hiring now, like we're looking for a particular, I'll give you an example. We're looking for, uh, for a particular kind of engineer as a startup, right now. As working at a startup. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same as any other small organization. So, someone wrote in on a Wednesday and I saw this application um, and it went like master's here, PhD there. And there were projects and topics that were involved in that. And I looked at them and went, this is dope. Uh, I sent that to the engineers and said, I want to talk to this guy. I had this guy on the phone on Friday. Um, we had a, we had a, We had a soft offer on Monday and then he took another offer. Um, he took another offer on Monday. Never happened in academia, ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but you, you, the, the difference, the fucking yawning gap between what happens when you have a governmental or a quasi-governmental process and what you're forced to do, oh, but just what you prefer to do, is so. I mean, it's it's genuinely amazing. Um, I got it. I got an intern once because. Uh, 
uh, this dude, this dude, he emailed me. Um, I saw the email and thought, oh, what a nice young man. But uh, we, we aren't taking no interns right now. Um, and then he emailed again. Um, and I thought, oh, it's that guy. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll write back. Generally, I try to, and I have tried to, years, write back to everyone who writes to me. Uh, it can be really challenging. But even if it's just sort of, mm, yeah, no. Even if people who are selling something, uh, people who sell things in the US are so amazingly surprised that I'm occasionally nice to them. You know, even if you're saying, oh, no, I don't need that. Um, but this guy wrote a third time and to someone else directly in the company and they pushed it to me and I do you want to look at this guy and that was and I just as as part of a like I I would like to know if you're going to be an intern I really need you to have I mean obviously the requisite qualifications but a lot of energy because there's going to be a lot of stuff falling off the wagon uh yeah the next day there you go persistence I think there's a lot of stuff that a lot of red flags even within job ads um, quite often you see, you see people going, oh, I, I can't believe the job ads we see these days. They're, they're, they're so specific. How can somebody have this specific set of criteria who have published in these journals and done these, these particular things? And you know why? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a fit up. Yeah. They've, 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 they already yeah. know who they're going to hire. That's a massive red flag. Anything that's a bit broad, oh, we're looking for someone who does this, um, who's um, got expertise in, in this area and um, you know, won a bit of money in the past. That, that, that's that's realistic. But then, then you see these drop ads where they're so realistic, and it's just like, no, nah, next. There's just yeah, don't even, don't even. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, this it's it's almost the exact opposite. Um, oh, sorry, Romano. Like, hang, hang on, just uh, ten ten seconds, man. Um, it's almost the exact opposite in corporate Malone. Sometimes so we, there's 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 a thing open. We might need somewhere between two to four people. People turn up. Um, a lot of the time, people who answer closed ads, you look at them anyway, because it's a matter of like, who do, who do we need to actually do the tasks? What do they know? What else can we have a conversation with them about? Um, it's completely different. And people always advise you in the sort of professional jobby coachy kind of world when it comes to jobs in commercial organizations, just write. Yeah, never know what's going to happen. Sometimes they'll go, "Oh, yeah, you're not you're not qualified for this. Technically, you're too good, but we have an opening, so you can be the person who's in that job. Uh, you can be their boss if you want. What do you think?" That shit happens all the time. It's just about having as you know, because it is available to be had. Now you don't hear of them going, "Oh shit, I think we'll add a new tenure line because Dan's got such nice hair." Okay, over to you, Romana. <laughs> yeah, so. I think Don made an important point there. And you too, actually. The problem is there is not much honesty in these uh, recruitments, you know. Oh, no. uh, in the uh, med school environments or more health sciences recruitments, a lot of the times they already have a candidate in mind and quite often someone internal, actually. Mm. They go through these motions just to do the legal requirements of having to go through them, you know. So they may actually run some two or three candidates through the process, but oftentimes it's already decided by the big guy. And if you're already not connected to one of them and don't know what's going on, it's just a painful, disappointing exercise, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, trust me, trust me, that happens with, especially when it comes to more specialty grants, that happens with grants as well. There are people within a network who have who know um, someone within the grant giving organization. This has a tendency to happen less with the big budget scientific grant stuff, although there is an element of nepotism that can creep in there. Um, 
but I've been in a situation a few times. I, I feel like um, some of the best grant applications I've ever written were immediately flat batted. Um, and then I found out who eventually got the money afterwards and thought, there's absolutely no way there was an evaluative process at work here. So, like, have the candidate in mind before you issue the job ad is that as a, as a kind of a, a rule for how you get past the regulatory processes you're allegedly forced to pay attention to. Yeah, all it does is it results in you wasting a lot of other people's time. I never um, actually knew that they that did that with grants. Like that, that was um, we, um, oh, we we it's, it's more common. It's more common with um, some foundational stuff, with Department of Defense stuff, and with weird governmental bodies who have a tendency to support um, the same people over time. I think it is. It would be very unfair of me to say that it was common within the NSF or the NIH or similar. Um, I have no evidence that that's the case, and that's not my experience of it. Although it might, you know. No. I can give you a ton of evidence in the Alzheimer's research world. You know, ninety-nine point four or ninety-nine point six percent of the clinical trials failed. I think uh, in a decade ending in twenty twelve or twenty fourteen, and. There are ten, many good reasons, and the biggest being basically the first few red flags you were talking about at the beginning of the session, not looking beyond their bubble, never collaborating with actual experts, and just passing the money around within few rich clubs. And for the job, job search, I just wanted to mention this open rank searches. I think that's a bit of a scam as well, personally, because... I think basically from my research, it seems like they just want to hire the best guy at the most senior level with the most grant money. But they go through this bullshit search, oh, we are open to everybody, including those coming out of just the PhD, right? That's not true at all. They're just trying to cast a wide net and get the guy with the most grant money. And I just hope that we put all the academics doing this on the spot and make them be honest and truthful in their advertisements and search process, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, is, uh, that, is, that is very definitely a, uh, uh, an, another health freeze and over capacity. Um, this, this is, I mean, we've talked, Dan, many times about the kind of role of the internal social knowledge within these sorts of processes. So you need to know this stuff is going on so you can live your life properly. And yet again, it makes another barrier that is kind of socially enforced. Yeah? Yeah. Do you remember a, t do you remember a time when you felt like people were explaining processes to you that you didn't understand and you went, oh, oh, so naive. I really didn't think it worked like that. Uh, that happened in the last 18 months of my PhD, like once a week. It's still happening to me now. Um, <laughs> it's happening to you right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is, and, th th and people, you, you, you know, this is, I've, I, I, I have to say, I've never believed in the idea of a meritocracy. I mean, it's no. <laughs> not because it's impossible to fucking measure. It's the whole idea that we have all this overlapping merit in the first place. Well, according according to what definition? 
and and also like according to what opportunity what kind of fucking counterfactual world could you possibly have where the, the merit is apportioned out according to how everything's going to go down i know i know people who do hiring at large companies and they do it almost entirely on the basis of okay do you seem to have the requisite skills blah, 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 blah. yes fine and everything after that is basically what kind of attitude do you have? How much do you want to be here? Are you curious about the work we're doing? And literally everything else apart from that is based on personality characteristics. Um, and they tend, the people people like that, I mean, in my limited experience of it, tend to make some surprising hires because, you know, you, you turn up, you meet the minimum standard, and then it's about who you are. Yep. yep. It's, it's, it's so... It's so it's so different. Um, and, you know, it's, it's because rather than there's, there's something else that's being preserved, um, especially in small organizations, especially in the US, and it's urgency. It's about your, your ability to do damage as quickly as possible, to, to get ahead of some idea, to, you know, first to market, whatever it is. It's all about like how how much of this can we sustain at what speed right now? And there's no real question of it's more sort of uh, how do I put this? The whole the whole attitude when it's it's established that there's a way in which you could be making a contribution is pretty much we'll grab the shovel and we'll figure it out. Mm. And I'm not talking about like people who are going to work in a fucking mailroom or something. I mean real, honest to god, actual jobs. Professional jobs for professional people with professional degrees, and that's the basis on which they're adjudicated. Um, and when it when it comes to executive stuff, it can be even more haphazard. Like, it's got to be her. Why? I just know. <laughs> we. Uh, I'm going to change to a different topic, but before we do, just a reminder that um, you can request to ask a question or to to, to share your thoughts. Either use one of the emojis, um, or there's there should be a request button. I've I've been contacted by. I want to uh, see if there's an emergency emoji, emoji that turns you into a giraffe. There's uh, a- no. This is Nothing. a very limited selection of things for mockery. I I want to um, ask something close to your heart, James, and talk about red flags. In heart disease. <laughs> red uh- red flags in papers for you. Um, what are some big red flags in papers? Say someone goes, hey, you should check out this paper. What, and, and you have five minutes to have a read through, what do you do? Oh, man, that's so hard because that's, that is so incredibly domain specific. Um, right now, especially if, it's, um, especially if it's an analysis paper, um, Open, open code and open data goes such a long way to be able to tell what the hell's uh, going on, especially the, the things that I have to read right now. When someone says, yep, look at the entire code base. This is, this is, this is cool. This is what we're going to do. Um, I, I read a paper like this the other day. It was absolutely beautiful. Really, really great set. And when it got right down to the end, it's basically here's all our raw data in a gigantic uh, two and a half gigabyte file. Here's our code base. Here's the person you need to uh, talk to who maintains the code base. Um, it, and pretty much everything else in the entire world is different gradations down from that. Yeah? So, if there's, if there's anything that you, especially when it comes to, you start right at the top of that method section, and if there's anything that you don't feel like is fully explicated going from one step to the other, 
is there's anything that's being left out because it's so easy to put it in. This, but I mean, this is some narrow subset right now of crap that I have to look at that is some combination of uh, DSP and machine learning and other related shit. Um, as might be as might be expected, no one no one likes a hype introduction. Um, no one no one likes an oversider of their own stuff. Um, those are yeah. Link back to the balkanization of before. What were you going to say? We have a Nick Brown is joining us for a comment. Nick, oh shit, Paul's open. Hey, old man. Not too bad. I wanted one of the things that always gets me about fake papers is how often. I mean, this this is a this is a, a syllogism error, but nonetheless, it is remarkably often that fake papers have nice round sample sizes. They'll have 40 people in each condition or 50 people in each condition. And I don't know if this is because the kind of people who fake their data have such a poor understanding of statistics that they don't realize that 39 in one condition and 42 in another wouldn't make that much of a difference. But it is remarkably often how, how fake, how, how, how often fake papers have nice, even sample sizes. That ought to be the most kind of, you know, bullshit thing out because obviously legitimate papers can have nice round sample sizes. But um, you can you can get quite a few things off my radar by simply adding one person to one condition and taking two away from another. <laughs> That's all you need, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with uh, yeah, the the, the 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 four groups of fifty, six groups of thirty. Uh, never, never considering that um, uh, you you might have booked people in for the day. You know they, they already have an appointment, so you know you're on forty eight. You're going to get fifty people. You book five in in case uh, some of them drop out, and then you run them all. You know for an experiment, and, 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 and clinical trials are even woolier. You know what your fucking dropouts rate's going to be. You don't know how long these people are going to persist. They're going to move into state because your fucking trial goes for eight months or something. They never, they never are. There's never any regularity. And, and I think continuing on that, when you have these huge sample sizes and an intervention that takes a certain amount of time, and you think, hold on, you know, what was the what was just the wall clock time to run these people? I was looking at a thing in, in ecology that had been faked. It it must have required literally ten months of of eleven hour days on six day weeks with like yeah. 15 different kinds of species. And you think, what does the world look like on day 211 as you start to run right. the 13th of 15 <laughs> species, knowing already what results you got from the first 12? It's like there's just no, there's just no way on God's green earth that unless you're you know, a robot that you actually go in and do the work that day. We have a question from Steve. Steve, falls open. Uh, yeah, so um, Nick's comment sort of uh, reminded me of a red flag I've seen in pre-registrations quite a bit, where they say they're going to recruit, say, um, 100 subjects, and their exclusion criteria are going to be such and such, but they don't say whether that exclusion criteria is before or after, uh, or the, the subject count is before or after the exclusion criteria which gives them quite a bit of flexibility in terms of uh, 
whether they're going to stop or continue after they've excluded the subjects. Oh, they're building in some dodgy optimal stopping, huh? Exactly. Exactly. And you can see it's pretty common. It's a pretty common mistake. Uh, but you see it quite a bit. So they'll say, you know, we're going to recruit 100 subjects and here's going to be our food criteria. They'll exclude, you know, 20 people. And then they'll run the statistics. And, you know, if I guarantee you, if they don't get a positive result, then they'll go, oh, well, now we'll keep going until we reach 100. Um, which they wouldn't do if they had gotten an effect the first time. There, there is a lot of researcher degrees of freedom when it comes Shaky. to exclusions and outliers. And this is something that we learned from our paper, James, our, our multi-lab paper looking at heart rate variability and, um, and, and brain structure. We, we had a, a pre-registration of what we would do. And it, it, this is one of those things of a, a good reason why you should actually simulate your data, run with it to actually see what it looks like as to how you would treat outliers. Because we looked at the data and we're like, shit, <laughs> this is a bit different than we expected. So we had we had to actually go, hey, we deviated from the protocol here um, because we're because we're idiots and didn't simulate the data, and we had to do all this stuff to actually um, appropriately deal 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 with the outliers. So it can be really tricky, but at the same time, if you're not transparent about that, that can give you a lot of um, research de- degrees of freedom there. Mm. At least at least they have the honesty to admit up front. I mean. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have some, I don't know if I'll ever get this finished. Um, I have some work that's on the specific power of what we might euphemistically call outlier management and how you sew together basically your sort of distributional understanding of what you're getting in in the first place and then how you can change or truncate that in order to engineer a result. Um, and this is one of those things that's just sitting fallow because I don't really do work like that anymore. And the, the amount of control you have from a few unreported exclusions is surprising. I mean, you think it's going to be a lot. It's more than that. It's kind of crazy. And the really frustrating part, Dan, is that you ain't never going to read that in a paper. No one ever says, I mean, maybe sometimes, but it's it's generally veiled, you know? Well, these weren't particularly believable, so we threw them away. Sometimes that's said. A lot of the time it almost it almost certainly isn't. So you don't get no you don't get no flag. I mean, when we when we're talking about flags of flags of work that's genuinely dodgy, I mean, this is you have to be a real plank of balsa wood to go. I think I will do 50 in all the groups. I mean, Nick's, Nick's right, but just reflect for a second on how bargain basement that is as a deception. You know, it's just a, it's just above fucking playing peekaboo with an 18 month old child. I'm not there anymore. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> I see exactly the same things when it comes to data patterns, you know, or, or people who, who report that, uh, you, you know, there's literally, hey, this is table one and we put in p-values. Mm, don't like that. But we measured them all and they're all like 0.98. Uh, come on. Come on. No, they're not. You are doing a fib. What? What are you saying? If you want to look at the impact of outliers, I think the p-hacker app, um, which you would Google and find, it's a, a shiny app, um, is a really good demonstration. And students <laughs> learn very quickly in that the best way to to make their um their, 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 their to shrink their p-values is to mess around with outliers 
um, it's a, r- a really good demonstration. <laughs> but um, don't uh, I made the mistake of um, of doing this in a, in a workshop and a, a thirty people tried to, to run the app and and, and it crashed. So if you're going to be doing the app in workshops, make sure you 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 download it directly from <laughs> download it directly right. from GitHub. Otherwise, you're going to be at the front sweating because <laughs> the whole the whole thing's the whole thing's failing. Wait, wait till the middle of the night when the Dutch are asleep. Yeah, I'll do it then. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do have a few, a few, a few Dutch listeners now, which is uh, which is good to see. Um, but uh, we've had a few Dutch listeners the entire time, Daniel. I know it's great. It, we, we, we love. We, I know. We love. We love the Dutch. We love the Dutch. I do. One of my one of my data scientists is Dutch, and he the, like the best interaction I've ever happened ever had at work he had the other day he said i need time off in the middle of the day uh because i gotta go pick up my donkey <laughs> what what <laughs> he's gonna go pick up his donkey uh, he's a he's a mad sports nut and he, he's getting into this thing called burro racing which is like an official sport in colorado but if you don't have a donkey, uh, I mean, they literally, they load these donkeys up with mining equipment and then go running through the mountains. And the finishing time is when you and your donkey both finish. That's incredible. So, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it's like the old west. But I mean, he did. This is one of the one of the best conversations of my life because he introduced this as if I had all of the background. As a matter of fact. Randomly in a conversation over lunch, as if this was a normal sentence. Um, and I, I had to extricate all of the details one after the other to try and find out what the hell was, was going on. Um, and he, he hired a donkey. The, the donkey's normal job is carrying around beverages at events. And this is how they get their exercise. They would lunatics like my data scientists go running through the mountains um, with, with, with their donkey so they stay in trim. So I mean, it's a good it's a good business to be in the like the promo donkey business. I mean, you, you don't even have to exercise a little bus. It's like someone's going to pay to do that for you. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> like, I, got, like- I got a I got a photo of the racer. He's big smiling head flying through a, like a mountain overpass or something like that, <laughs> pulling 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 this poor fucking donkey along. I don't know why it's so funny. It's just oh. It's 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 fantastic. What's the game? Were yeah. they, they the pole vault across the canal? No one no one can say that, yeah. Daniel. It's not even really a word. It is the best thing on planet Earth. Um, but yeah, I mean that's 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 two out of two for them now for sure. Um, it's and, and to like I was I was obstreperous about finding out that there was a donkey lunch planned and I wasn't invited, as might be expected. And I I had to get out of it by promising to hire the donkey to come back to the office. <laughs> Carry and carry around the beer at a party or something. So now I got to hire a donkey. Now I got to hire a donkey because I said I would. Yeah, it's but work's been a lot more donkey centric than it usually has, has been previously. We we're, we're going to wrap up very soon. Um, so if anyone <laughs> if anyone does have or, or on that high note, if anyone does have uh, any any more re- requests, if they want to chat, have anything to share, um, please please do so. In the next few moments, um, but yes, I, I think I think this has been great. Um, try, trying this Twitter Spaces, getting a bit more interaction, and doing live stuff. It's always been more interesting doing it, doing doing it all doing it all live. So, thank you. I, I wish I wish this had some functions that I don't see, and maybe someone knows like the easiest way that this could be done. I would love a way to vote or poll 
want people are alive. Um, I would I would love to have a, a nice bellowing pitched argument with you where people get to decide who is wrong and who is good looking. We could do an emoji um, an emoji thing. So so people use Oh, that doesn't feel very possible. No, I don't no, think they're pe- persistent. Pe- can- I don't think they're persistent. Look, I'm going to wave at you with a little hand. There you go. That, look, gone. That. It's there. It's it's on your little Yeah. So anyone anyone okay. uses an emoji, it um it, it comes up. It's all, it's all, it's all there. But hey, I, I think we can have some, we, we can have some fun, fun with this, uh, with this format. And um, yeah, this episode proper is going to be is going to be released sometime next week. But yes, uh, um, this episode proper is going to be deeply confusing to people who listen to the podcast. No, it's going to be absolutely crystal clear. Oh, is it right? Okay. Well, we'll we'll, f- we'll find out anyway. So yes, um, th- oh, I've seen a f- I've seen a few emojis there. I, th- thanks, thanks, Steve. It's great to see, um, but yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for for sticking around. Uh, a lot of people have stuck around for the entire for the, for the entire chat, which is uh, which is great to see. And um, I th- I think this has worked quite well, and hope hope we can uh, we can do it again. Uh, f- final red flag, James. Before before we uh, before we finish up. Uh, final red flag: an actual red flag of the USSR. Run. They say they believe in equity, but they don't. It's not going to be science. There's going to be salt mining involved. Flee that place. Thank you all for joining us. And we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back again soon for a new episode of Everything Hurts and hopefully some more live stuff via Twitter spaces. Bye for now. Oh, see you.